0: 102.5 FM, KXSF LP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to SPARK, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul.
1: Today I'm talking with Dr. Robert Emmons, professor, author, and scientific expert on the psychology of gratitude. We will be talking about how the practice of gratitude can increase your work performance, connect deeper with others, and deflect negative emotions. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Emmons.
2: Pleasure's mine, thanks for having me.
1: What is gratitude besides saying thank you and hopefully feeling it?
2: Yeah, so gratitude is is so many things, but the way I like to think about it, is that gratitude involves uh, a couple of decisions that we make. One is, first of all, we just kind of notice what's going right in our lives, noticing what is good. And so it begins there. And I like to think about that as the affirmation of what's good. So what's affirmation is basically saying yes that my life has some good things in it, that there is goodness in the world to affirm. So it starts there, but also what's necessary is the second component, which is we recognize where this goodness comes from. And generally speaking, when we do this recognition, we recognize that it comes from the outside. It comes from other people or other forces who are doing things for me or providing things to me that I could not do or provide for myself. So affirmation recognition, that's how I like to think about the nature of gratitude.
1: Would that run counter to our culture where, you know, it's about the individual and the individual's ability to fulfill his or her own, her own destiny? So mm-hmm. a lot of people tend to say, it's in my hands to to accomplish what I need to accomplish. So there's not that, there's a less of a sense that it's due to outside forces
2: that's that's so intriguing i think you're right i think you know one of the things that intrigues me about gratitude and in some respects it is countercultural, and in fact counterintuitive so we're we're used to taking credit for our success right we did it uh we're self-reliant and so forth we are self-sufficient but the reality is that's not true at all i mean there, there are so many ways in which we think gratitude is one thing but it's actually something else, and I think that's one of those cases. And so, and that's one of the reasons what makes gratitude so, uh, so difficult, and it doesn't come easily or naturally, because it's much more easy and natural to think about oneself than it is to think about other people. And so, but when we do think about it, we realize that that gratitude comes to us; it's not created by us, right? I mean, think about that. How many of us have ever written a thank you letter to ourselves? Probably nobody. Right. Uh, we, we receive gratitude. We, we don't achieve it. And so uh, generally speaking, this is it's coming at us or to us because of forces that are, you know, just making our life better or, or easier. And then when we recognize this, that's the beginning stage of gratitude.
1: So do you think that we only appreciate gratitude or the, the practice of it when we're experiencing hardship?
2: Well, I'm certainly. Uh, life is full of hardship, right, and suffering, and uh, I, I think it's actually, uh, ironically, and also counterintuitively, can be easier to experience gratitude in the face of uh, bad things or adversity or suffering. But it's important to keep in mind we're not grateful for all these bad things happening to us, right? But but we can choose to be grateful in spite of these bad things happening to us, which is really, really different. So so yet another one of these ways in which gratitude appears to be one thing is actually something else, it's that it, it's not a feeling in response to a specific circumstance or event in our lives, but really it is. It's unconditional. It's, it's not circumstantial. So it's more of a choice that we make, even sometimes despite really bad things that can be happening to us.
1: So is gratitude then the same as having a positive thought for the day?
2: Ah, uh, well, that again, it's, uh, it, it's complicated, of course. Psychologists like me, we like to muddy the waters. And I mean, uh, uh, gratitude can be a positive thought, but gratitude is so much more than that because. Sometimes with gratitude comes a sense of indebtedness or a sense of obligation. You do something kind for me, and now I am obligated or indebted, and I want to pay back the good that I've received. So is that positive? Well, yes, in some respects it's positive, but it it might not be perceived that way. You know, some people don't want to be indebted to others. And so it could have a kind of an element of discomfort associated with it. But generally, of course, I mean, gratitude is a good thing that's positive, that people have positive associations with, and they want to feel it and experience it because it brings benefits to their lives.
1: It's kind of interesting that you raised the uh, indebtedness to, um, yeah. as a practice of gratitude, because culturally, there are many places where gratitude is practiced that way, where if you do something for me, I owe you and I need to do something in return.
2: Reciprocity. I mean, uh, you know, gratitude really oils the wheels of reciprocity, and uh, I, I sometimes say that that gratitude is the best approach to life, or even beyond that. I've said that gratitude is, is the deepest touch point of human existence, uh, which sounds, uh, you know, like like a huge uh, claim. Almost sounds hyper, you know, like hyperbole. Uh, but in fact, I think it's true, partly because so much of life is about. Giving receiving and repaying benefits and, and and what's the you know what's the motivation for that what, what what are we inspired uh to give back when are we inspired to give back and usually it's out of this this feeling of gratefulness uh you know inspires us to give back either to the person uh who has benefited us or beyond that you know to to other people besides that one benefactor. Yeah.
1: Why is gratitude an important practice in terms of the science that you have focused on you know, what are the physical, psychological, yeah. and social benefits?
2: So I've been doing this now for 20 years, which on the one hand sounds kind of impressive, right? Spent two decades doing one topic. On the other hand, it's almost, it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> it's like, well, 20 years, we should know a lot more by now, or maybe it's time to move on to something else, right? You've, you've told us gratitude is good. Uh, let's Let's move on to something else. Well, we need to keep focusing on that because we're learning more and more every day, and it seems like gratitude impacts us in every way on a regular basis. So I, I kind of summarize 20 years of research in two words, and the two words is gratitude works. So that's that's my saying. That's kind of like my, my mantra or my slogan, gratitude works, that uh, gratitude heals and it energizes and it actually change it can change people's lives. And so we know that psychologically, emotionally, relationally, physically, gratitude is good for us. It's good medicine, that it uh, will heal past hurts and current pains, future anxieties. It can energize us. So when we're feeling worn down, worn out, defeated, depleted, exhausted by life, that gratitude gives us a new perspective. People, when they are when they are keeping a list of what they're grateful for or otherwise just kind of flexing their gratitude muscles, uh, report being more alive, more alert, more awake, you know, and, and that's a, a great way to feel because we don't often go through light like that, certainly not on a moment-to-moment basis. And then people say that gratitude changes or transforms their lives. It's kind of like a like a reset button, a, a, a fresh start, a do-over, a new beginning. Uh, and that when they start to look at life through a lens of gratefulness, things look different, that it brings an, a new lease on life. And, and people have said these sorts of things to me.
1: You have said that gratitude enables greater participation. What does that mean?
2: Uh, That's interesting. (laughs) I don't remember saying that, but um, it could be in terms of the social aspects of it, because gratitude is inherently uh, relational. So we know that people not only experience the, 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 the private, personal benefits, emotional, psychological, but people become more uh, giving, more forgiving, more generous, more outgoing, uh, they're more likely to actually, you know, do things. Uh, one, of the, one of the myths of gratitude is that, that gratitude makes us more um, inner-focused, kind of more complacent, more introspective, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, content and complacent. Uh, that somehow, if we're experiencing gratitude, it's going to make us less ambitious. It's almost like it's going to induce a, a state of lethargy or passivity. Uh, it turns out that's, that's, that's not true at all. I mean, that's, that's a myth. That Gratitude actually inspires people to go out and do good things, to, to become giving and forgiving and generous, and, and um, to participate more you know, fully in, in life and in their community and their society. So, so gratitude not only feels good, but also inspires people to do good. So
1: instead of being a spectator, you're a participator.
2: Well, yeah, it makes you more active. Uh, you you feel part of life. You feel more connected. The the sense of connection that comes with gratitude. You know, you, you feel like you're in a uh, in, in a web of uh, mutual responsibility, and uh, again, a sense of obligation, maybe a sense of indebtedness. But uh, but that it's a good feeling. You know, we feel part of a larger whole. It, gratitude transcends our own individual concerns, and, and, and that could be a beautiful thing. How can
1: one use gratitude as an empowerment tool? Like in the workplace, you mentioned it's a very powerful tool.
2: So uh, we know that gratitude can change everything. I mean, people say that brings a new lease on life. What, what are they talking about, right? So, so maybe they, we used to look at life through the lens of uh, a problem. Or lens of a burden but now it becomes you know a blessing maybe we used to look at things through a lens of obligation and now things look like opportunities right so so gratitude turns turns the negative into the positive it turns losses into gains Uh, whether it's you know in our individual life in our relationships in our family or or in, in our workplace so so gratitude change relationships, whether it's with a partner, friends, family members, or co-workers, colleagues. So when you notice something you're grateful for or appreciate something about a person and you communicate to them, you broadcast that gratitude to them, it can change the relationships, right? We, we take less for granted about the other people in our lives. Uh, relationships can change so quickly, it, it's almost stunning. I mean, the, the effects are immediate. So um, you know that being the case, it's unfortunate that gratitude is often undervalued. You know we don't express it as much as as we think we uh, ought to, or we, we 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 think you know the other person already knows that we're grateful to them. So our gratitude is kept silent, but uh, that's not going to be very effective certainly at at connecting people together. That. Gratitude that is silent or private has to be made public, has to be expressed or distributed for it to, you know, impact relationships beyond the individual. So
1: in the workplace, what you're saying it does is if it's considered a task and obligation, you, if you reframe it, you can see it as an opportunity. Um, and then in terms of the relationship in the workplace, what you're saying is that it's, it builds trust like, or a sense of camaraderie?
2: I mean, when someone is grateful to us, right, we know that this is a person that we can count on. We do something nice for someone, and, and they notice it, right? They pay attention to it, uh, and when they express that, we know they play by the rules. I mean, just think about the opposite, right? If we're not grateful, then by definition, we are ungrateful, right? And so we know that uh, what's the interesting thing about people is that we, we, we monitor very closely their level of gratitude or lack thereof. Uh, you know one of the most frequent questions I get asked when I give talks on gratitude is, "How can I get so-and-so to become more grateful?" Now fill in the so-and-so, whoever that is, right? It could be a spouse, it could be a child, teenager, coworker, etc. It seems like we painstakingly monitor. Another person's gratitude or or absence of, and so I think it is because it, it's it's conveying information. Can we count on this person? Can we trust this person? Do they play by the you know the normal rules of social engagement? so it, it it's a signal that this is someone we can rely on. This is somebody that we can you know that will be there to help us out when we need help? and so it serves a number of social functions as well.
1: What about in personal relationships? how does gratitude? Help us in becoming better in our personal relationships.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, again, just, just imagine a close relationship without gratitude. I mean, it would be it would be devoid of any warmth, any sort of emotional bonding. When we appreciate someone, we know that, right, they have they they have they have value in our eyes. When someone says thank you, they're basically saying, you know, I notice you, I value you. Uh, I esteem you. When someone does something kind for us, we know that they've gone out of their way to make our concern their concern. So that that feeds our sense of self-worth, our sense of value, uh, and that's very, very powerful. You you know, the main reason why people leave their jobs, probably their relationships as well, is they don't feel appreciated. Uh, And so it says something very deep about human nature.
1: So you would start a introduction or a personal connection with someone with a sense of gratitude.
2: And I think, yeah, the fact that gratitude strengthens relationships uh, is something that good bosses know in organizations. We know that very successful workplaces have cultures of gratitude. It's really. Uh, wove woven into the fabric of of the culture, very baked into the very nature of the organization. And so uh, it's very powerful because you know that gratitude works in in individuals and works in families and works in larger contexts like organizations as well.
1: so it sounds like you have to practices in that group setting then for this to really work.
2: There's so many different ways you could practice it, right? I mean, uh, there's there's no limit. Uh, I think if you go in there, first of all, with the gratitude individually. So I, th- I kind of like it more of a. I kind of think of gratitude as more a um, bottom-up process as opposed to a top-down process. I think it's very hard to set rules saying, okay, today is going to be you know gratitude Tuesday, right? Or gratitude Tuesday. As some people refer to it. Or today is going to be thankful Thursday. Um, you know, you, you can get people to conform to that for a while. But how can you, you know, sustainably create a disposition to look at life through a lens of gratitude? That's much harder to do that in a top-down fashion. So, uh, you know, I became a psychologist because I think people can change internally. I don't think structures and organizations are as effective in changing individuals. Uh, That said, of course, there are individual practices that can, uh, I think, you know, activate a person's... Uh, inner sense of gratefulness. And so we d- we need the practices because it's easy to overlook those. It's easy to get busy, to get distracted, to get very task-focused. And, you know, some of the more humane aspects of relationships can be easily, you know, look, uh, overlooked.
1: But it sounds like for this to happen on an organizational level, there has to be some type of cultural practice or group practice on the... I I don't know whether it's daily basis or weekly basis for this to work.
2: Yeah. if it becomes part of the culture, right. uh, That's the important thing. It's, it's a message that people know that you could go in as an outsider. Can you go into an organization, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, a, a school, a hospital, um, Uh, any kind of place of business, a bank, you know, and say, okay, wow, there's something different about this place. They seem truly uh, grateful for me, for my, you know, being a a customer. Do they seem grateful for each other? Uh, It's something you can notice in the climate, emotional climate of the organization. And so, I mean, different places will practice it differently. Uh, We know that organizations that have uh, recognition programs where they have specific ways in which employees peers can uh acknowledge each other or express gratitude to each other are more effective workplaces right and you can look at any any organizational outcome whether it's things like you know productivity or employee engagement or loyalty uh what have you you, you can see a difference in those that have, a, have an explicit recognition or appreciation program so that they know that it's it's good business. But beyond that, they just know that it's good. It's the right thing to do, to acknowledge people in there. And they, they reap the benefits of, of great gratitude in the workplace.
1: We're going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters. Back on Empowerment Through Gratitude with Dr. Robert Emmons.
0: Generous support of KXSF San Francisco Community Radio comes from Charles Neal Selections. Since 1998, San Francisco-based Charles Neal Selections has been an importer and distributor of fine wines and spirits for wholesalers, retail stores and restaurants across 17 states. Learn more about Charles Neal's focus on imports from family-owned operations throughout France by visiting the website at charlesnealselections.com. Thanks for your support. Keep real radio alive, people. Live, local, real radio. That's why you're here listening to KXSF, right? On 102.5 FM San Francisco. We give you more of what you want, music and programming curated by actual human beings who live locally in your neighbourhoods, plus live music and interviews with local artists and bands. But to stay on the air, KXSF really needs your help. Donate now to KXSF by going online to www.kxsf.fm and clicking on Donate. It's 100% tax deductible. Keep real radio alive in San Francisco and donate now, everyone. Thank you so much. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul.
1: I was talking with Dr. Robert Edmonds before the break about the practice of gratitude. What about in the family setting when you're trying to teach your kids the practice of gratitude? And they're like, yeah, 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 we're tired of thanking for everything every day. How mm-hmm. would you? Well,
2: so, uh, so if you want to convey something to someone, let's say parents to kids, of course, now it depends on what age they are. Uh, younger children are very uh, visually oriented. Right, uh, older kids more conceptual. So the thing is that that they get it though. I mean, even younger kids they understand that thankfulness is a good thing, right? Uh, now, as you get older, of course, you have to, you know. Uh, I think rely more on each individual's input to get their buy-in. Let's say, okay, I I wanna make this a grateful family. What's the best way to do that? Well, I can model gratitude as a parent, as a father. I can express gratitude. I can refrain from expressing ingratitude, uh, I can look to when they, when my kids express gratitude and then, you know, re- reinforce that, uh, say, hey, that's a great thing, you know. Uh, I wonder uh, how so-and-so felt when you expressed thanks or gratitude to them. And so we can look for opportunities like that, uh, you know, both to, to be expressors as well as good role models and reinforce their expressions of gratitude, and, and knowing that full well, that uh, as they get older and want to achieve independence, it's going to be harder to find common family rituals that everyone will buy in on. But that's, you know, I think part of it. And but if we lay a good foundation early in life, uh, studies show that you know you, re- you reap the benefits down the road.
1: Do you think that in our culture we show gratitude by gifting, saying you did a wonderful job, you were so you were so um, mm-hmm. giving that you know, you're rewarded for that. Is That's what I usually see. So I'm curious mm-hmm. what your take is on the whole like gifting, a, a, a as, gift to show sometimes. gratitude.
2: Like a tangible gift? Yes. Yeah, so there's that's the beauty of it, right? That gratitude, I mean, the, the prototypical experience of gratitude is, you know, a gift, a giver, and a and a receiver, right, a, a benefit, benef- a benefactor, and a beneficiary. So we do express it. Now, people like to receive gifts in different ways. You could say, hey, great job, right, slap the person on the back or whatever, or you can give them a monetary gift because, you know, I mean, the, the idea is that you're, you're expressing that they've gone above and beyond uh, the call of duty, right? Uh, you've gotten some extraordinary care. Uh, whether, you know, from a doctor or from a a teacher, a coach, or whatever, and you want to express your appreciation. And so, you know, gift-giving is a huge way in which gratitude is expressed uh, interpersonally.
1: Is gratitude then about seeing with new eyes or looking for the positive?
2: Well, it's certainly a way of seeing uh you know i like to think of it as a way of seeing that that alters our gaze that you know as i mentioned before we can we can take something that that looks like a problem or looks like a difficulty maybe you know some trial that we're going through and seeing you know well maybe there's an opportunity here uh you know if if not at the immediate moment then maybe uh, down the road uh we can uh, it seems like gratitude can turn things inside out and, and and upside down it's a way of of seeing and um it, it's amazing you know having swum in the waters of gratitude for some time now i i occasionally will hear from people who you know have, have 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 taken gratitude seriously and tried to develop a gratitude as a way of looking at life and what's amazing about it is that they've all gone through some difficult times right they've all gone through suffering, whether it's, you know, mental illness like depression or addiction or whether it's um, financial catastrophe, whether it's a natural disaster, they've lost their home in a fire or a flood or earthquake, and they say, you know, I would wanted this to happen, but now I realize that I can handle almost anything that happens to me now. I've become much more appreciative for things that really matter in life. Uh, something good has come out of something bad. That light came out of darkness. That, that redemption came out of wreckage. Uh, you know, And people have this capacity to do that. I think that is, that is a way of seeing that alters their gaze. And I think that's the condition under which gratitude really has its power in these very difficult life situations.
1: So it's about reframing what is possible, what is positive out of a negative experience or seeing it differently?
2: What's possible? What's the opportunity uh, can something good come out of something bad? Uh, sometimes it's just you know being aware that there, that there are other possibilities. You know that's why it's so inspiring to hear these cases where people who were you know really at at, at their at their wits end, you know, literally at the end of themselves, uh, found hope, found possibilities, uh, found gratitude. You know, and so we love cases like that because they 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 give us hope that the same sort of thing can happen to us.
1: Do you think is a challenge in our society, in terms of that we spend a lot of time comparing, asking mm. what we have, what we ought to have, what we should have?
2: Well, certainly, uh, in yes, in many respects. I mean, uh, and comparisons can work either way, right? So we can use comparisons to our advantage, or sometimes comparisons can be uh, detrimental. Uh, we can we can say, okay, I want to be a more grateful person. Right, and that's one comparison. I say, oh, I look around, I see people with more gratitude. You know, how do they do it? What's different about them? And I want to learn more uh, about them. Or I can look around at people and say, you know, hmm, they don't seem to have much gratitude. They seem to have everything going for them: nice home, nice job, nice spouse, uh, etc. Kids are doing well one thing after another uh, yet they don't seem very grateful it's something about gratitude which I think um, uh, almost uh, begs a comparison uh, you know so our minds can use gratitude or my, our minds can use comparison wisely or or ways in which it actually can make us less grateful but yeah I mean there's always obstacles there's always roadblocks to gratitude whether they are external or whether they are internal I think most of them are really internal because you can you know you can look at people with almost identical life situations. And then one can be really super grateful and live life under a lens of abundance and um, plenitude, right, and sufficiency. And someone else in the very same situation can look at life through a lens of scarcity and deficit and insufficiency. Totally different mental you know, approaches to life, even though objectively they have the very same circumstances.
1: So people can get tired of thanking all the time, like, thank you for this, thank you for that. Right. And you can start to feel insincere or cliche. How does one create a practice that's authentic, intentional, and empowering?
2: So that's a very good question. It's one that I think um, a lot of people ask. It's another one of these ways, though, in which gratitude seems like one thing, but it's really something else. And so we generally think that, you know, a person should feel grateful in order to give thanks, to do anything else seems somehow, what, insincere or fake or dishonest, whatever. Uh, There seems to be two camps on this thought, right, that you should only express gratitude when it's, you know, authentic or genuine, uh, and you should never express it any other time. I I think that's wrong, actually. Uh, I think that sometimes, you know, we need to express thanks, even though we don't feel that way, because it's the right thing to do. Right? I mean, that's how we act upon what's, you know, what really matters is to do it, even though we don't feel like doing it. Because it turns out it's easier to change our behavior than to change our attitude. It's easier to control behavior than to control our uh, feelings. And so someone does something nice for you, let's say you, for example, you know, go out of your way to do something for me that took time. It took some effort. You used some of your personal resources. You could have done something else. And I respond with ingratitude, okay, because I don't feel like being grateful to you. You know, my reaction is, hey, I, I resent the fact that you helped me. I could have done it myself, maybe I feel guilty about it now, and so I'm not going to express gratitude. Would that be the right thing to do? Of course not, right? The right thing to do is to express gratitude. You could say now, oh, you're not being authentic or genuine because really you feel resentful or guilty or whatever. But, in fact, it's appropriate, given the fact that you've done something for me, and so it's, it's the right thing to do. So, you know what happens, though, is that what happens over time is that our attitude, our emotion comes to resemble our behavior. And we know that from the science of happiness. People that act happy actually become happier. So people who act gratefully actually can become and do become more grateful over time by, by you know, experiencing the gratitude that we don't feel, we actually start to feel the gratitude that we're experiencing or living. And uh, that's, a, that's a cool insight from behavioral science.
1: So even though it feels like an exchange and you don't completely feel it because, let's say, you feel like you owe someone a favor, so you're paying back that favor, you're saying go ahead and do it and over time you will feel grateful?
2: Well, yes, because your relationship now will change with that person. The relationship will become closer. You become more connected. The the dynamic will be different. If I responded with ingratitude, uh, just ignored you or said, you know, oh, you know, I I would have preferred to have done this myself. I mean, you would have felt so dismissed, right? I mean, think about when you try to express gratitude to someone and they discount it. You know, they say, hey, don't worry about it. Not a problem. I was just doing my job. Uh, you, you just feel not taken seriously in your expressions of gratitude. It's not well-received. So that's a very different dynamic going on there between people than when the when the gratitude is expressed. Okay? And so it's really, it's a, it's a communication. Gratitude is a communicative act that, yes, has many different meanings or many different motivations, but on the wall it's like it's, it needs to be done. Okay? That's the important thing, that it's expressed. And then... Eventually, over time, if that is, you know, I think occurs frequently enough, you actually start to develop that gratitude becomes much more of a habit. And then out of habits, become traits and dispositions in a deeper way of life.
1: What is the simplest way to create consistent and genuine gratitude in one's life? Let's say a five-minute practice each day.
2: A five minute practice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> to start.
2: There's sure. I mean you could do it in less than five. But five oh, minutes awesome. I mean I mean what we did in early days in our research was just ask people to write down things on a regular basis that they were grateful or thankful for. They they kept a journal, you know, and now there there's a whole industry out there about gratitude journaling. What's the what's the secret to it? What's the key to it? What's the best way to do it? Uh, I actually I like to do something that doesn't even require writing something down because that to me, can become actually uh, a burden. You know, it's like, almost, it's like uh, having something to do on a regular basis is like a to-do list. And so I've, I've written about that, and I've spoken about how, you know, making gratitude something that you need to do uh, almost defeats the purpose of it becomes, you know, people have busy lives and lives full of obligations and activities and now you're going to ask me to keep a gratitude journal It's one more thing to be you know, uh, worried about or to be upset about annoyed irritated as opposed to something that's going to benefit me. So I say, okay, just do this. Alright? Think about something positive in your life. Think about something valuable or, you know, something that's really beneficial that you have in your life and then imagine your life without it. Right. Think about your job. Think about, you know, an important relationship, something cherished that you have, an experience. And imagine your life without that. That is actually the best studies I've shown. That's the best approach that'll create gratitude 10 times out of 10. Uh, and I think it's, it's just based on the notion of uh, scarcity, the principle of scarcity that says that, you know, we're, we're, things are more valuable, the more rare they are, the less available that they are. And one way to imagine things becoming less available or more rare is imagine yourself without it. So, what would my life be like without my spouse, without my kids, without my job, etc.? And it could be a big thing or it could be a small thing, as long as that thing is something which is very valuable to you. So, you engage in this mental comparison, engage in this um, uh, process of imagining yourself without something valuable, and you'll start to take that less for granted. You actually invest more in it because now it's become more special to you. And you could do that anytime, anywhere. You don't have to, you know, say, okay, I need five minutes to go home and do this now. You could do that anytime during the day. What would my life be like without this very valuable element to it? We'll create gratitude 10 times out of 10.
1: So it's a backward approach. You take in what you... Of,
2: yeah, and then yeah, instead of imagining the presence of something good, which is what all these journaling studies do, we write down five things we have or five nice things that happened. It's just the opposite. Imagine some, your life without that good thing. And that's true. I mean, uh, and the studies have shown that, they, that the latter technique is actually stronger uh, than the former. And so I, I came to the realization some years ago that I was really underestimating the impact of gratitude journaling because I was only focusing on part of the equation, <laughs> not only the presence of the good, but the absence of that, imagining that is even more powerful.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah, that's usually what I read is to write down what you appreciate every day, and it's, and that's
2: good. Yeah. That's good. But there's a lot of ways. See, there's a lot of ways to imagine yourself uh, having being the recipient of benefits. And one is to imagine the presence of the good. The other is to imagine the absence. What would happen if your life was you know you didn't have that, or you know a, a job was ending? They did this experiment with college students. And they found that those who are about to graduate, they they had a much greater appreciation for their college experience and their classes, relationships, teachers, campus, etc., than those who imagined their campus experience was not ending for in the distant future. So just imagining the scarcity of something, right, that it's about to end, or that it's a very rare, that, that's the basic scarcity primple, uh, principle, right? We we like those options that are that are rare, unique, or kind of kind of dwindling in availability because then we pay more attention to them
1: is it important to build on the practice and if so
0: how
2: to build on the practice yes i mean yeah i mean one size doesn't fit all people so i do think that that's as close as we can get is doing this you know imagining something really really good not having it anymore but you know, some people like they like the private practice of keeping a journal, and it really is beneficial for them. And and I uh, I endorse that because I know that it works. Uh, some people are just more social, more outgoing, more extroverted. And they would much rather broadcast their gratitude. They want to find people and express their gratitude to them directly, and that's super super powerful for both the giver as well as the receiver. There's there's a, a, a linguistic medicine uh, I like to say. Or expressing your gratitude that way. It works for both the giver as well as the receiver. Uh, others, you know, they find ways just to give, just to pay forward the, what, the good they've received. And they've just become more generous with their time. They want to engage in volunteer work. They want to become more helpful, uh, find ways in which to give back the good they've received. And, and for them, that's how they express gratitude. Uh, I've written about this in my little book of gratitude, which has like 35 different practices, 35 specific actionables that you can engage in, uh, all of which are effective at creating a sustainable level of gratefulness over time.
1: So it's about changing your mindset or sustaining that mindset over time
2: it or sustaining it right it's uh you you could be grateful at any one time but the key is you know how to remember that because it's so easy to forget there's so many forces you know as you mentioned that that work against it whether it's from the outside it's it's busyness it's distraction it's being surrounded by by bad news all the time you know yeah Uh, i heard this person say there's two types of news in the world there's bad news and then there's really bad news Right, and so uh we need a force that can that can help us to hear some good news right that can we need to perpetually hear good news, focus on the good, uh take in that good, and then give back the good. so also in the little book of gratitude, I talk about three stones of gratefulness, what gratefulness requires, and one is just noticing the good, taking in the good, uh, which is the second step, and then giving back the good whether it's directly to the person who's helped us or in some sort of pay it forward uh, manner. Uh, and then you see gratitude becomes complete. The link between uh, receiving, experiencing gratefulness, and then giving back the good is completed in this, in this cycle or in this circle.
1: And it's, it's a practice that you have to do on a daily basis for this to really work.
2: Well, if not daily, then certainly on a regular basis. You know, it has to be uh, intentionally practiced. I mean, people don't necessarily exercise physically every day, right? And think of this as a different type of exercise, you know, a spiritual exercise or, or a mental exercise that, much like physical exercise, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it every day, but maybe, you know, three times a week, for example... We know that brings physical benefits to you know, physical exercise, and I think the same with a with a mental exercise like gratitude. As long as it's done on a consistent and regular basis, and uh, I think then you start to start to reap the benefits.
1: Time for a short break. We'll return more on the practice of gratitude.
0: Thank you for your support of San Francisco Community Radio.
1: Hey, it's Val, a longtime KXSF listener, your live, local, real radio. And that's why you're here, right? Listening to KXSF 102.5 FM San Francisco. They give you more of what you want. Music and programming curated by actual human beings who live in your neighborhoods, plus live music and interviews with local artists and bands. But to stay on the air, KXSF needs your financial support. Donate now to KXSF by going online to www.kxsf.fm. It's 100% tax deductible keep real radio alive in San Francisco. Donate now at www.kxsf.fm. Thank you.
0: This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Dr. Robert Emmons
1: and I were talking about the practice of gratitude before the break. What if you're feeling emotionally challenged, like you have suffered a great loss or deep depression or hopelessness? Mm. If gratitude can be an endorphin, how can one use gratitude to get out of this despair?
2: Yeah, so... uh First of all, it's not easy, right? Uh, Again, when life goes well, not too hard, not too challenging, but yet uh, in the face of bad stuff happening, what do I have to be grateful for? So I think here, again, uh, it's, it's helpful to make a distinction between gratitude as a feeling and gratitude as an attitude or orientation toward life. Now, of course, when we're in the throes of... Uh, a trial or a tribulation. We don't want to be making these fine distinctions, right? Uh, but when we step back and step away from it, we realize that, hey, we, we, can, we can make a choice here in this situation. We can choose the lens of gratefulness and say, okay, what is the opportunity in this situation? What What am I being called on to do? I don't feel grateful. Of course not. Who would in a situation like that, right? But the grateful outlook says, you know, now we have some freedom or how we can choose to look at this situation. Uh whether, you know, you use the word empowerment, I like to use and I think I like to think of it in terms of freedom, freedom to uh view our responses in the situation. We can we can look at it in a lot of different ways. And looking at it through a lens of gratefulness says there is there is hope. There is some possible opportunity in this situation that uh, I don't realize it maybe right now, but I might, you know, a month from now or six months from now or two years from now. And that gives me a freedom from knowing these circumstances don't have to dictate my moods right now. Right. Uh, that gives me some some liberation from these current conditions, current situations. And I mean, who better to, to, you know, give us inspiration than than Viktor Frankl, that that Viennese psychiatrist in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany said, you know, I'm going to decide how this is going to affect me. how this is going to impact me? You know, is this going to make me, you know, a, a terrible, bitter person or is there something positive I can extract from the situation, realizing that's the only freedom I have? That's the only freedom I have left was the freedom to choose how he was going to respond in that situation. And every day in every way, we have that in a much, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, a less extreme sense that we can choose how we respond to a situation. And gratitude is one of these choices that we can make on a regular basis. But virtually, virtually any situation can be looked at through a lens of gratitude, but it does take some practice.
1: Is that how you neutral? Neutralize or deflect neutralized. negative emotions that yeah, you may be having I mean, is know, to it, choose the lens that you want to see hard, it from. Whether it's going to be, gonna be know, positive or negative.
2: Hard to be anxious and grateful at the same time. Hard to be fearful and grateful at the same time, right? Hard to be pessimistic and grateful because these the, the, the grateful emotions will will drive out these these incompatible ones, these inconsistent ones, right? So gratitude is, is a good antidote for negativity. Gratitude rescues us from negativity, from resentment, entitlement, anxiety, right? All, all these things which which hijack our consciousness. So we, we can't be content. We can't be happy or joyful in the long term. So it, it's our best weapon to immunize us against negativity that we see around us, that we sometimes feel inside of us.
1: Do you think that volunteering makes a difference in how you feel about gratitude? There was a statistic that shows that most people volunteer during Thanksgiving and Christmas. So if they volunteer year-round, would they feel more gratitude?
2: Well, we know that that volunteerism is associated with all sorts of benefits, that that giving help to others uh, is very, very powerful because it gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you a sense of meaning, you feel more, you know, useful, uh, that it activates positive emotions like joy and, and like gratefulness. And so that's interesting, isn't it? It's like we think of, we think of gratefulness as, as receiving something good from someone else, right? It's the affirmation of the good and the recognition that these, this person is behind it. But, but being grateful for the opportunity to help others, to give of oneself, can also elicit and activate gratitude, uh, you know, and that's fascinating to me. It, it, sh- it shows that there's, there's not one simple formula for what creates gratitude. And people say, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to help. You know, I'm grateful that I have this purpose. I see the joy that they have. Uh, I can give them a gift of, of helping them, and that's an a occasion for gratitude. So, yes, so so uh, giving support, giving aid, giving, you know, uh, of ourselves to others is a good way to give away the goodness that we ourselves have received. And that's why I said that gratitude has these three components, looking for the good and then taking it in, but also giving it back. And, you know, without that third component, I think that our gratitude is incomplete. Now, the scientist, University of California says gratitude is good medicine, right? Everyone's telling me I need to be more grateful. It's like, enough already. It almost becomes a burden, you know? Gratitude becomes something that that weighs us down, that makes life heavier instead of better. And gratitude can almost become more, I think, um, a burden, right, in a way. it, It becomes, you know, oppressive. And so here's my take on that. I think the way to make it less of a burden and less oppressive is to take the focus off of yourself, So if I start to focus on what other people are doing for me, how my life is better or easier because there's people looking out for me, whether I know that or not, whether I know them or not, right? There's so many forces that are making it possible for me to do what I'm doing uh, for who have, over the years, over my lifetime, have helped create the person that I am now. If I stop and reflect on that, all of a sudden my life becomes easier not more difficult, it becomes lighter instead of heavier. You know. Uh, so when I take the focus off myself and, and gradually becomes less of a self-development project, uh, it becomes much more desirable.
1: Do you become drained from trying to live this purpose mm. and mm-hmm. trying to, um, I think the question becomes, does it take a lot out of you because you're trying to be something that's all giving, right? All positive, right, right. All so, I mean,
2: we know from the research on, um, you know, caretaking, right? There is caretaker burdens and so forth. When a person is overwhelmed, let's say, you know, it's a spouse of someone with, you know, a dementia, for example, or, or a parent who is caring for a child with a developmental disability or whatever. Uh, we know that, you know, there's, there's limits, of course, and people need breaks and respites and all that stuff. Uh, but that, that doesn't undermine all the studies showing that, you know, helping others. And doing good for others is beneficial, right? I mean, and, and what's I think most convincing are the studies which compare how much support you receive, how much aid, emotional aid, or material aid you receive from others versus how much you actually give or provide support provided versus support received. And the, these studies show that providing support is a better predictor of things like happiness. Uh, stress resistance, you know, uh, less depression, physical health compared to support is actually received, right? So giving support is better for us than receiving support, all, all other things being equal, which they never are. But, yeah, so, so be, doing good for others is good for you as long as you're not overwhelmed by it, right? So we're not talking about these cases of these, you know, caregivers which are overwhelmed by giving. Others is just, you know, it becomes part of who they are. Like the Mother Teresa's, but you know, there's not many Mother Teresa's. That's why we always talk about her, even though she's been you know dead for over two decades. Because it just it just is so rare and so unique to have this this mentality that puts others first all the time.
1: Last quick question: What about yeah. the concept of taking the time to appreciate yourself? I hear this, but I don't.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's kind of a strange practice in some ways, right? It
2: is, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of doesn't quite uh, cohere. Uh, logically, I think what they're talking about is just kind of uh, being easier on yourself. There's a, there's a concept out there known as self-compassion, right, that's been made somewhat famous in the psychological literature. So, of course, we think of compassion as being kind to others. Right, or doing nice things for others, uh, helping others who are less fortunate, which is, you know, compassion. Uh, but you can be nice to yourself. You know, you can not beat yourself up. You can forgive yourself when you've done something wrong, excessive, not experience excessive guilt. Uh, and I think that it involves kind of all of that stuff. Um, so, but can you be grateful for yourself? No, that's a, that's a different question, which I think is interesting philosophically. I, I, I understand what that means. It means that knowing that you have good qualities, right? Um, but it's not quite the same as thanking yourself for having those, because I think that, now you're in some logical you know fallacies with doing that, because, <laughs> you know, I didn't give birth to myself, right? It's, so it's hard to be grateful to myself for my own life. Uh, even if I don't know who to be grateful to for that, I have this gratitude which I can't direct toward anything or anyone, so, uh, so that's a quandary. But, yeah, you can, you can be grateful for qualities that you have. You can say, okay, well, I'm an intelligent person. You know, I think of myself as being you know, empathic, maybe compassionate, so on and so forth. You can list a number of abilities or skills or talents that you have and be grateful for each of those. Uh, and In fact, I think that's really important to do that because that helps us give away that good to someone else. Because if we don't think we have any admirable qualities like that, it's hard to be of use to anyone else, right? It's like, you know, uh, I can't help you, uh, you know, uh, you you wind up being in a position of kind of low self-esteem, low self-regard, and that's not a good place to be either. So it's not quite gratitude for oneself, but it's knowing that you have positive qualities, that you could be compassionate towards yourself, you could forgive yourself. And I, I think there's some value in thinking in those terms. So that might not be gratitude, that might be appreciation, which is different from gratitude. So you could appreciate. Uh, It just kind of, I think, means uh, not having an overly negative or self-critical conception of yourself, which, you know, many people do, especially people who are depressed. They have this, what they call, self-criticism, right? Uh, And and you can understand where that comes from, right? Whether it comes from internal it usually comes from external standards, right? People who never thought we were good enough. You know, because we, we need approval, we need support, we need affection and admiration from others. And there are people like that who, who never got that message, that whatever they did was never good enough, you know? And I know people, like, we all know people like that, right? even people who are you know, adults and maybe even late adults still feel that judgment hanging over them, that they were never enough, never good enough, and they have this, this voice of self-criticism inside of them. Uh, and what heals them? Not so much gratitude, although that certainly would. But it's just this sense of you know self forgiveness, uh, this sense that maybe they are in fact wrong about all this. Uh, and I think that's what spiritual people get. They get the sense of being approved of or loved by a uh, a supernatural agent, you know, a spiritual figure that can provide them with this unconditional love and support that's got nothing to do with what they've done or how they've performed, but just for who they are. And we all need people like this, whether they're, you know, flesh and blood people or or spiritual beings that can love us and support us quite apart from who we are and what we've done.
1: The concept is so broad.
2: It is. And that's why I like always to start from that perspective. Okay, gratitude is. Um, you know, this, this exchange, like you said earlier, this interpersonal, you receive a gift, you feel grateful. That gift could be lots of different things, right? It doesn't have to be tangible, but you know you, you received a benefit. The question is now, what do you do with that? How do you experience that, and how do you respond to that? And that's, you know, that's, that's gratitude. But yeah, it's, it's connected to so many other things, to love, to forgiveness, to humility, to happiness, Joy contentment, so the, 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 there's a there's, a, there's a, a web of interconnected you know qualities and, and virtues and you know we, we try to separate those out and you know study each one separately and and individually, uh, which you need to do to make any progress scientifically but but you know when all is said and done. We're not individual qualities, right? These all co-occur within our minds and in our brains.
1: And the reason I wanted to talk to you was there's so many books out there about gratitude. The science part that backs it up, it makes a huge difference as to which practices actually work. And, you know, is, yeah, for example, is right. appreciating yourself really gratitude, right?
2: I mean, thousands of years people have been talking about gratitude, right? But But why do, you know... People like you and others and journalists, right, call me and other scientists, right, the weeks before Thanksgiving, they want the scientific perspective, right, because only, only science can uh, can can ratify or can verify, or can you know adjudicate between different practices or different ideas about, you know, what, what are the best ways to create and sustain a grateful practice? So so I like, you know, as much as anyone, I love the sayings about gratitude, that it's the best approach to life, the secret to life, you know, it's the, the key that opens all doors. That's all very inspiring. But uh, we also need to put those ideas to the test, you know, and it turns out when we put those to the test, we, we learn that actually gratitude does deliver on its promise and on its potential, and that's, you know, super exciting.
1: Thank you for joining me on Spark today, Dr. Emmons.
2: The pleasure was mine. Thank you for the opportunity to, to, to spread the word about gratitude. I appreciate it.